For flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. It's good to be with you on this Saturday morning, and the weather is just so weird, Ton. Like one minute it looks like a beautiful sunny day, and the next minute the clouds move in, it looks like a thunder shower. Yeah, it's been. It's spring, right? Yeah, it's spring. I uh, looked at the weather. For southern Utah County, Payson, Santaquin area, and low 80s with a chance of rainstorms at 20 or 30 percent all week. So I think this is kind of here to stay. But the good thing is, is that our lawns will never look better the rest of the summer Mm -hmm. because of the temperatures. And we're getting all of our plant growth right now because about 90 percent of tree growth occurs in the spring and early summer when temperatures are consistently below 90 degrees. And so the weird weather is actually kind of making it so we're developing a little bit greener, lusher uh, landscape than normally we've had the last few years. Yeah, and it also allows uh, the roots of the new plants to really take hold better because it's not too hot. So I think it's uh, kind of been a blessing in disguise. It has been. Uh, I, I did see some it. hail yesterday, though, that terrorized me. I was like, do not shred my <laughs> plants. <laughs> yeah, I you know, last week, was it Monday, Tuesday, that we I, we had two good rainstorms that I didn't turn on any sprinklers until yesterday that got us through. And so I've been I've been grateful for the weather, although it has been weird. All right. It is the season to plant garden mums. Garden mums, the plant of the week. Plus, people think they can plant the mums that they're taking to the cemetery this weekend in their yards, and that's not a great idea. So let's start out with the garden mums. Well, I will mention the this mums that you're taking to the cemetery. You know, I'm grateful people are honoring their you know, whether parents and ancestors and relatives and things. But these garden mums are different than the ones from the box stores and floral shops because those in the floral shops are bred to get tall and they want them taller so that they can cut them and get a long stem on them to use in uh, floral displays is what they're oftentimes used for, but they're just, and they'll use growth regulators and a lot of pruning to keep them down and compact when you take them to the cemetery. And so what will happen when you plant them in your yard is that they may or may not be cold hardy and they may not flower in time in the fall. A lot of times we get flowers, they'll start to flower in early November. So there's that risk. And so there are a whole series of mums called garden mums that are bred to get anywhere from 18 to 30 inches tall, and they're much less likely to split out on you over the summer like the floral mums or the, that the, you get at the box stores this time of year will do. So one thing I found, my experience with planting, I, before I knew I shouldn't do it, I planted one, got super gangly when it did grow, 
and then the blooms weren't even the same color. No. Instead of like a yellow, they were kind of some like a rusty kind of color. Yeah, and so they can be manipulated a little bit with plant dyes that you can change the colors a little bit. And that I don't know that I really want to get into too much on those processes, but But it's interesting how it turns out. It is. And so my grandpa used to plant some of these because, you know, he would have mums from you know, my grandma's sister or great grandma's funeral that he would put in the yard to kind of memorialize. And he left them there, but they were always his pet peeve in the yard because no matter how much he worked with them, they split out. He was always trying to stake them and then they sometimes wouldn't bloom. And so these garden mums that you want to plant now because you need to get them established through the summer will be a much better option. You know, there are lots of garden mums available in the fall. And we've had Brian Lloyd mm-hmm. speak to this. But about they don't how live because all the energy is used up. Yeah, they're pretty much a living flower display that you're supposed to compost after they're done blooming. And to plant those in your yard, about half of them make it. But if you plant now, even though the garden mums aren't in bloom, you're going to have about a 95% chance that these overwinter. And once they've overwintered, they'll be around for anywhere from four or five years to 10 years down the road and be very beautiful. And all you'll need to do is just lightly trim them a couple of times, just a couple inches off the tips to keep them really compact and increase the number of flowers and the maintenance is done. Mm-hmm. And they'll grow in what conditions? They will. There are mums hardy down to about zone four. And you need to look at the tags, look up the variety, because some of them are going to be zone five, maybe zone six. But the mums will survive just fine in their mountain valleys, you know, Heber, Ogden Valley, you know, and other such places and along the Wasatch Front. So that's not as much of a concern. It's just more picking out your colors and making sure that they get at least six hours of sunlight a day. How about sun and water? Average amount of water. They're not incredibly drought-hardy, but they are more drought-hardy than your lawn. So once established with a little bit of compost around them, they will... Um, need deep watered once a week to a depth of about a foot. Yeah, they are our latest bloomers too. Love having some, they are. some mums, even though I rarely pinch them off and keep them compact. They still look pretty. They are still beautiful. But yeah, yeah I really I, like... You, when are you supposed to do that in the season? Well, you let them get a foot tall okay, and then trim about two inches off them. Let them grow another six inches, trim about two inches off of them, and then you're done. All right. We have Linda and Paul already on the line. We're going to take a break, come back with their calls. The number for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us, 57500, and we do have an article up on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page about garden moms. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning. First listener, Ton, where they sent this text in bright and early this morning. They want to replace some perennial salvia. It's purple. They're not a big fan of it. They have, want to know if you have any suggestions for something else that's red or pink. Yeah, I for something similarly sized that has a lot uh, longer bloom time, mm-hmm. I would go with hummingbird mint. It tolerates the same hot, dry locations only needs to be watered every week or 10 days, you know, deeply. And it blooms like mad from mid-July clear until October. 
And so, yeah, I the hummingbird mints, and there's lots of bubblegum pink and red oh. mixed with yellows. I think they're just one of the most underused perennials for areas. You need something in that two-foot range just because they are just so adaptable. When I get back from vacation, we should do that as the plant of the okay. week. Wait for me to get back. I will. Okay. Linda is on the line in Pleasant Grove. Good morning, Linda. What was your question this morning? Good morning. Uh, I am looking for a recommendation for a fast-growing small tree that I can put up by my fence for privacy. I wanted to get two or three of them on the fence. But uh, one of them not too wide, more vertical. Uh, any, any suggestions? Well, uh, you've put in a, you've put a lot of restrictions, and <laughs> right. there's just nothing that's going to stay. I mean, how tall can these get? Oh, twenty, thirty feet. Okay, that opens things up a bit, and mm-hmm. I think that to keep them more vertical, you may have to limb some uh, limb the trees up a bit so you can see under them. Okay. But Mm -hmm. I would maybe look at Canada Red Choke Cherry. They do get suckers around the base that need to be cut once a month. Yes, I do have some of those. Yeah, and those are going to be the fastest growing small tree that I know of. Okay, no other suggestions? Well, I mean, I I have have lots of other suggestions. They just don't grow (laughs) as quickly. And so, I Uh mean, you could look at... Uh, maybe Merrily Crabapple, if you could find it, because it's fruitless and has a little bit more of an upside down, like a teardrop shape to it. So there's the Merrily Crabapple. There's also maybe something like Hot Wings Maple. It gets an orangey red fall color that stays in those okay. size limits. Okay. I'll go look at those. Thank you very much. Great, Linda. Thanks for your call this morning. Next listener, Ton, wants to know what the difference is between garden moms and cushion moms. Is there a Cushion difference? moms are going to be a kind, the designation of the flower type. Okay. And so I, I am not that up so to speed. So they're in the garden mom family, though. Well, they're in the mom family. Hmm. And so when you look at floral moms, there's seven or eight designations and they, of the kinds of flower heads they have and the cushion mums fit in those designations. It's been 25 years since I had my flower arranging class at school, <laughs> but I know that. But the cushion mum is more of just a subtype of mum. And so in the garden mums, you would need to see if you could find a variety that has a similar flower. Okay. So it's not in... They're wondering if these are the type that they can plant that are going to do well. I would need to, have to really check out, yeah, the variety. check out the variety because that's almost, it's just one of those things that maybe, but probably not. Oh, so okay. I would just look at it. I mean, and when you look at roses, you know, the most popular rose that we plant in our yards are hybrid tea roses, but you've got grandifloras, floribundas, you've got minis, you've got the hedge roses. So you've got all these different types of roses and yes, they're all roses, but they get different sizes and different types of flowers. And then even some of them are individual, some of them are in clusters and mums are the same way. Very individual plants. They are. Okay. Paul is on the line in Sandy. Good morning, Paul. What is your question? Good morning. Um, Thank you for taking my call. 
Um, I have a question about ivory halo dogwoods. I've got about 15 of them in my yard, and some of them, one is totally dead, one looks like it's going to die any time, and uh, four or five others, uh, the branches are starting to turn gray, and uh, they're not very pliable, they're quite stiff. I'm wondering, is there a disease that can be uh, attacking these, or uh, are these dogwoods just short-lived? Well, the dogwood shrubs, I've noticed that on some of the varieties, including ivory halo, they have a usable life of about 10 to maybe 20 years. And then they start developing root diseases, lose their vigor, and then just gradually decline. And you may be seeing that with these and i've if i wish i had my books open to tell you the there's a couple of different diseases that can cause this but once that starts you'll lose a section a year over three or four years and then they just decline and die bummer um one other question if i could you just mentioned a uh, uh, most underused perennial that you just described. I didn't quite catch the name of that. Well, Can you repeat that? Yeah, it's situational, but for areas where, that are just hot and dry, that other perennials may struggle because of that. The hummingbird mint family, the that type of perennial, there's five or six of them really commonly available that are native to the southwest and northern Mexico. And they tolerate the heat really well, and they'll survive on being watered once established every seven to ten days, as long as you water them deeply. They'll bloom from yeah, they bloom from July to frost, and okay. have a really like a a, a minty um, smell to them. If the if the leaves are pinched a little bit, they just have a wonderful fragrance. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate your show. All right, Paul, thanks so much for your call this morning. Next listener says they have a flower bed that gets almost no sun. Is there a bush that they can put in that would do well? A lot of it's going to depend on the susceptibility or how many deer are in the area. Because there are many shrubs that will survive shade as long as it's not under, you know, if you've limbed your spruce tree up three or four feet, that kind of shade, no. But if it's just on the east or north side of your home, auto lichens, laurel, dwarf English laurel, boxwoods, Japanese euonymus, photinias, there's many of them out there that will survive those situations. If they're wanting to go a little bit more drought hardy, they could look at coral berry or the uh, alpine currant. So there's a number of shrubs that will survive shade. All right. Next listener says they have blister mite really bad on their pear leaves. Will it help to cut the infected ones off? No. I, for the first several years, that pear leaf blister mite's an or a cosmetic problem. It's three to four to five years down the road that they really start to do damage to a tree. And so if you have pear leaf blister mite, it usually indicates you did not do a delayed dormant spray in March or early April. And so that's what I would encourage them to do is subscribe to the USU Pest Lab fruit tree updates, even if they're ornamental pears. And when um, Mayor Murray says, do your delayed dormant spray, Mm -hmm. you do it, and that'll knock out 75 or 80% of them. All right. Next person says they have a red trumpet vine that they have a trellis for it. They're hoping to attract hummingbirds and want to know any ideas for care. 
just plant it. And then in four or five years, they'll wonder why they planted it. So I'm going to bite my tongue on this one because it's not my favorite. It seems it to blooms like mad through it's very midsummer. Aggressive. Yes. But if they're trying to attract the hummingbirds and they have a trellis will do that. of sufficient strength, you know, they're going to need a strong trellis because over the years, these vines can weigh in the hundreds of pounds over to, you know, 20, 25 years and absolutely do not run them up telephone poles. You'll make enemies of the power company. But if they have a sufficiently strong trellis with enough room, they're great. All right, next listener says lupin and foxglove are touted as perennials here, but they always seem to die after the first year. Why is that? Foxglove is a biennial, and oftentimes it has a year taken up getting it to grow because it blooms on its second year. Sometimes it'll come back for a third year, sometimes not. And then lupins are short-lived perennials, meaning they live three to four to maybe five years, but lupins will self-sow a little bit. And you can let those come up. Okay. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Dave, you're up next. And the number, the text number is 57500. We'll be right back.